Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business. Love having on the program. He's a new uh, recurring guest on the program, retired Colonel, United States Marines, Colonel Eric Durer. Love having, uh, having you on the program. Enjoyed your last uh, visit on the show. And I said, this is someone we need, a resource we need. We have some great people, uh, former diplomats, uh, former ambassadors. We've got uh, former national security people. Uh, of course, one of my favorite recurring ones who have real military not knowledge is uh, retired General uh, Jeffrey Schlozer. And so you're a great addition to our team. We're glad to have you. Uh, you have incredible experience and including uh, working as a professor at the uh, National War College, not to mention the fact you served on the staff of the chairman of the Joint Chiefs. And so we love having you and glad to have you. And you have a a very interesting book. I want you to take a moment to talk about that and mention your website. Uh, uh, Colonel Eric Buehrer, welcome back back to the program. Good morning. It's great to be here. Thank you. Yeah. it goes to Baghdad. Uh, it's it's uh, it it was a labor of love, an opportunity to tell, not necessarily my story. It, the story is told and seen through my lens, but it's a story of so many great Americans, and it's a story needed to be told. Let's you step into the cockpit of a Marine attack helicopter pilot and, and hang on um, as we uh, as we fly in the first uh, several days of the war in Iraq, um, going on 20 years ago. So. Um, wrote it for a lot of reasons, but it really tells a great American story about uh, young men and women and what they do to defend this nation. And ericbuer.com, it's, you can get it, all my information there. You can order the book there. You can order the book through Amazon. It's available on Kindle, Audible, however you, however you get your media. It's, uh, it's available. Yeah, Eric Buer, by the way, is E-R-I-C, which is pretty obvious, but sometimes people throw in a K, and Buer is B-U-E-R, ericbuer.com. Check it out. The book's there, easy to get, and I encourage people to get it. Um, you know, so I've been watching with interest, and really for me, interest-wise, that, that I kind of want to focus on um, is, you know, and first of all, uh, what you've got is uh, the uh, attack that led to the death of American military personnel and um, through drones and U.S. retaliation of that. I want you to, first of all, set the stage on that aspect and then get us kind of up to date on, uh, on the well, retaliation efforts today because what's interesting, there hasn't been a retaliation effort but multiple ones, and what I get the sense of is that who knows how long they're going to continue. So kind of get us up to date on this. Yeah, so it's, it, you know, tragic attack uh, took the lives of three great Americans in Tower 22, which is a very small communications type logistics base tucked away in Northeast Jordan. One of the many small bases we have in the Middle East, both in, in inside of Syria, this one in Jordan and inside of Iraq. Those, each one of them have different missions, some supporting uh, anti ISIS-type uh, elements, others, again, supporting uh, anti-Syrian forces. And so there's a, there's a, there's a variety of reasons that they're out there. Um, what happened was uh, pretty agey by the, um, by the Iranians. And uh, when I say Iranians, we, talk to, we can talk to our proxies, uh, the ones who took responsibility for this, um, the Islamic resistance in Iraq. I mean, they can't do these type of sophisticated drone attacks by themselves. So we know the Quds forces, the, the Iranian special forces provide the training, provide the gear, um, provide the logistics, and most likely flew the missions. And so they struck that 
uh, that base. And, uh, of, of course, the U.S. was going to plan a retaliation. And it took some time. I think the president sat down this time more formally, probably with his National Security Council, brought all the assets together, and they came up with a plan. And whether I agree with the plan, you know, I, I, they waited and people could take the weight. Um, but what they did do is they, they sent a very strong signal, um, and they went after, you know, seven, seven, uh, seven different targets, both in Iraq and Syria. And I think a couple of the messages were key was this is all airstrikes. Um, and we say we can tackle the time and place of our choosing. Well, they, they certainly did. I mean, airstrikes off the carriers, airstrikes from land base, and the not-so-subtle message, we flew B-1s all the way from the United States, struck targets, and flew home. Um, no, use, no use of cruise missiles, you know, what they were waiting for, right, waiting for submarines and ships, and B-52 firing cruise missiles. They kept that off the, they kept that off the table. And, um, I, you know, I, I don't know the efficacy of the targeting yet. It takes a while to see what happened. Um, one thing you saw immediately um, the next day, the Houthis, right, in the south, shut down. Radars gone, uh, radars down, radio silence pretty much for their part. And, and that's really what the focus was. It was on both the Houthis and what, what they're doing uh, w- with regards to shipping lanes. And clearly it was on uh, the Iranian Quds forces uh, and the attack on Tower 22. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. And again, uh, I think you and I talked about it. I certainly have talked it, uh, to, uh, to others about this is the fact that, uh, you know, Hamas is heavily backed by Iran. And I, I still continue to believe that the timing of the uh, Hamas attack on Israel has so much to do with the turmoil that was going on domestically in our own country, not even having a Speaker of the House try to create a situation that uh, makes it easy for a lot of isolationist Republicans, I don't know how else to describe them, to say we're, uh, you know, we're not funding uh, Ukraine anymore. I mean, they, it, to me, it had it written all over the place. But all that, you know, sure, it benefited Russia, but, but in so many ways, Russia and Iran are incredibly powerful allies. And so uh, it, it could not have happened without Iran. And Iran is getting more aggressive through a proxy um, mode of operation, which is so common, right? When was the last time two countries actually fought each other directly? Um, <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, it, it's very aggressive, and it seems to me a, a very strong message that they might understand uh, needs to be conveyed. And you, were, you mentioned the fact that they wait longer, and it seems like people have the attention span of a gnat. And the longer they wait, it, it, the harder it is for people to remember, now, why in the world are they so angry at them? Why are we going after them? And so far, it's been very fringe even in how they've hit uh, Iran. It's like they're hitting, they're hit, hitting those that are depending on, on Iran and who do Iran's dirty work. But that's among the reasons why those entities exist, right? They exist. So uh, Iran can commit these dirty deeds and not be directly hit. They're basically affirming a wrong strategy. It's, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, with relation to proxy war, it's, it's, it's what they've done, right? They, they, in my mind, they're using Hamas and Hezbollah uh, really to, to keep the Israelis engaged with us supporting the Israelis. Of course, the Houthis, they're, they're, they're firing to keep uh, pressure internationally. If they can affect the shipping lanes, that will affect... Um, potential 
allies of the United States to, hey, let them be, let them alone. Um, but Iran is really, really on a very dangerous path. Um, we will eventually, that's going to happen. They're going to isolate, degrade um, their proxies. Um, the Houthis will, they're not that big of an organization. The Islamic resistance in Iraq is a small organization. And we have to remember the Iranians have their special forces embedded. They are in Yemen. They are in Iraq. They are in Syria. Um, and they trained, they trained all of Hamas, uh, as we know, uh, in, for the attacks uh, in October. So I think a, a, a position of isolation of them, degrade them, continue to strike at, the, at their proxies, it's really going to take away the Iranians' ability to project power. Eventually, the Iranians are going to have to figure this out. I mean, they're not well-liked in their own neighborhood. People think this is going to be a, you know, World War III and a great Islamic uprising. Not so much. Um, the, the Emiratis, the Qataris, we look at them most of the time. Certainly the Saudis, uh, certainly the Jordanians, Egyptians, they are no friends of the Iranians. Uh, yeah. They know Iran has, they, Iran wants to be the, the hegemon, the hegemon in the, in the region. So I think there's a lot of things to play. You, you also had a very good point where, you know, we empowered the, and emboldened the Iranians because we were so weak at home fighting these political and social minorities and, uh, you know, not even be able to control our own nation. And I think you're absolutely right. Both the Russians and the Iranians saw an opportunity of, and that we were weak. And uh, they only understand force. That's just the fundamentals of it. They don't understand diplomacy. They understand the barrel of a gun. That's just, that's just in their DNA. Yeah, uh, very philosophically, ideologically, these people are fundamentally anti-democratic. And I mean small d for people who, you know, think automatically party. I get that. They are anti-democratic. They think it's weak. They think it's flimsy. It can't survive the test of time. And frankly, what we've been doing in this country for quite some time has been some of the best evidence we could provide to totalitarians that that's true. (laughs) Hate to say it, Colonel. Yeah, no, so, I mean, the days of the... You know, the days in the Middle East of the benevolent dictator are, are gone, right? They're gone. The Gaddafis are gone. Uh, the Saddam Husseins of the world are gone. And you know, Bashir Assad is hanging on by a thread in Syria right now. And so they, they have to understand that that level of um, uh, autocratic government, it can't work. It's, it's proven it won't work. You know, yeah. I, we all feel for the Palestinian people, but boy, Hamas has, um, they've taken billions of dollars. They've built no infrastructure you know, there was no plan for foods or water or any way to take care of their own people after they knew would be a very strong Israeli Defense Force response uh, to the massacre that happened in October. They had to anticipate that. You know, they, they expected to use their people as human shields and you get the CNN effect. It, it didn't work, right? It was the, the, the Islamic Jihad shooting rockets into their own hospital because they don't know how to employ them properly. Um, so there's, a, there's so much here. Um, but I think fundamentally a focus on the Iranians, um, eventually the Iranians are going to, eventually the Iranians are going to come unraveled. Uh, not only do they have a massive social problem internally, uh, but we put tremendous amount of, uh, even, of, even not withstanding diplomatic pressure, the economic pressure, the economic isolation, there's very few trading partners the Iranians have. Uh, and you do have a pretty well-educated youth in Iran and eventually you know, eventually they're going to realize that proxy wars aren't going to work and, uh, and they're going to have to face the music internally uh, at some time. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. It's an interesting dynamic. It'll be, be interesting to see how it unfolds. You talked about just now 
some real terrible players who are no longer uh, players, uh, tyrants there in the Middle East. And they were all terrible. But I will say they all had a pragmatic streak that none of the players that are, that are uh, the major ones now, um, all of them had a sense about survival that didn't work forever. Um, and, and uh, you know, we ended up having, a, I think, an aggressive foreign policy under the Obama administration that encouraged uh, a shift, that, ironically, a shift towards the more religiously intolerant. That's ultimately what happened. I don't think that was their intention, right? But that's just how things unfolded. And so I, I think in, in many respects, since Obama going forward, and, and by the way, any listener of this show knows I have a mile-high list of criticism for both parties. So, so this isn't, you know, <laughs> keep that in mind. Uh, don't, don't get me going on the next guy, you know, that type of thing. Um, but uh, I think, you know, it, it, I kind of miss a little bit of that pragmatism that all of them, to a certain extent, um, exercised. I think Syrians didn't cater the least of that bunch in that department, but even he had enough to survive a long time. Now all these guys who are in charge now, they all, they all seem just purely religious, purely fanatical, and I'm not anti-religion, but again, purely fanatical, and really could care less. You know, you mentioned about the, uh, the, the, the people there with Hamas not thinking about their own people. They, what, I'm not sure what people you're talking about, because they could care less about the people of Gaza. Uh, if nothing else, they're collateral damage. So to me, it, it's just a much messier situation than it was even under those pragmatic dictators. And I use that word pragmatic loosely, Colonel. No, it's a, it's been a, it's been an alarming trend. It continues to be an alarming trend. I mean, they have certainly uh, weaponized religion, um, and it, it, it finds purchase in some, um, and. It is. It brings with it such a level of hate that we really haven't seen for generations. Um, but we also are talking about, you know, uh, Israel too. That's again, that's one of those you know, elephants in the room. We are, you know, long term and will be and should be long term allies uh, of the Israelis. But if you look at the, you know, you look at Hamas's and you look at Hamas, both Hamas and the Houthis' charters, the first two things on there are, you know, death to Israel. Death to death to the Israeli people. I mean, it's they they have this really long term goal of the annihilation of the Israeli state, which is simply not going to happen. I mean, the Israelis have shown um, tremendous amount of restraint uh, in Gaza, and they've also shown a tremendous amount of restraint uh, when it comes to the Iranian proxies. And the Iranians, we talk about power projection; they're flying 1970s vintage aircraft and armor. They don't necessarily have. A, a, a really a credible military uh, when you compare it to the Israelis who are flying F-35s and F-16s and F-15s. I mean, they could blacken Tehran with uh, attack aircraft and do significant damage. Now, it's, we don't advocate expanding this war. We don't advocate uh, any of that. We we advocate the Israelis have the ability, inherent right of self-defense. They have the right to reclaim and resecure their borders. Um, and again, as you just mentioned, the Palestinian people are, are left at the feet uh, of all of this, uh, left fending for themselves and under the, you know, uh, begging for uh, for some type of opportunity to come for them. And they have to realize sooner or later it's not going to be through Hamas. That's not their goal. Uh, Hamas has different goals, and it's not necessarily uh, to support the welfare of the Palestinian people, which is uh, doubly tragic. 
Eric Bureau, uh, retired colonel, uh, United States Marines, always uh, love our visits, look forward to future visits. Uh, we're going to be getting you on on a regular basis, really, to talk about the hot security story of the month. And uh, we're also going to be start including more syndicated column, which we're excited about that uh, with each visit. So always enjoy chatting with you. Final thoughts as we wrap it up. Well, I think the United States um, has, has learned a couple powerful lessons, uh, relearned them in the last week or so. Uh, we have to remain vil- uh, vil- aware every time we put ourselves outside our borders, and we can never, ever understand what is in the mind of an enemy who is out there to destroy us, right? So what happened at Tower 22 is absolutely tragic. We have to uh, maintain a very um, powerful posture, otherwise we will be taken advantage of. Our enemies will see it as weakness, and they will take advantage of us wherever they can and however they can. Yeah. Final thoughts on, I meant to mention this, I kind of got carried away. You're a great interview, and so I I found myself going down some of the interesting paths you brought up. Um, Final thoughts in terms of future retaliation efforts on the part of the U.S. towards Iran. What do you think, having been someone who served for the uh, chief of staff, what do you think is on the table? And I, I think you are with a different administration, so that says a lot in and of itself. But talk real quickly about that with your experience. So I think what they did now, they, they, they developed several packages, uh, and I think they executed their first, their first one, which, which went right after those targets in Syria and Iraq, purely air. Um, I think they want to keep the enemy guessing. Uh, we really have unlimited ability to strike those targets from the air, from the ground, however we deem uh, appropriate. I think right now the administration is reviewing what happened, uh, really what happened on the ground, how that has affected the uh, the Iranians, and if they move any way again in a, in a more uh, offensive posture. It, it does not uh, relieve us of any of the requirements to isolate, continue to isolate and degrade those proxies. And once they're isolated and degraded, and they know that it's a loss, having the Iranians as a teammate, that begins to become a for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. All right. Retired Colonel Eric Brewer. Eric Brewer is easy for me to say. Such an easy name, too. It's only four letters. But Colonel enjoyed our chat. Look forward to future chats. Very interesting conversation. Thanks so much for being with us. My pleasure, Kevin. I encourage the listener to check out Eric Durrett's book. Very interesting, very important. And so much of what I think about what unfolds today is based a lot on history. And his book captures a lot of that. And we really need to be more proactive about avoiding the same old mistakes over and over again. That's why I love tapping into people like uh, the Colonel. I am Kevin Price. This is the nationally syndicated Price of Business. Stay tuned for more after this.